Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here we go. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 40 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, which is our season review as Jose Mourinho became the first Man United boss ever to win a trophy in his first season at the club with a League Cup. And then what a second with the UEFA Europa League. What were our pre-season aims? Have they been fulfilled? Has the season been a success? And what have we learned from this season? We'll be talking all that, plus reviewing all our summer signings, Paul Popper in particular. Who could be our summer signings this year? As well as going through our awards. Player, young player, goal of the season and our best moments of the season. So, let's get going. Statement from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, this is what's come out in the last few minutes. He says he's absolutely delighted to be joining United and he's looking forward to uh, playing in the Premier League. I'm, I'm super excited, super, super happy. Finally, he's done. I am a lion. You are a lion. I'm back. There's no words. To be honest, there's no words. When I just came back to Carrington, it was like, it was like I just came back home. Ibrahimovic! Oh wow! There's your superstar! He's Rashford still! Oh, he's got it! Marcus Rashford! There's 
Josh Harrop. Rooney's there for the pullback. Harrop! Well, that's it. The full-time whistle. And Manchester United have done it. Manchester United have won the Europa League. Jose Mourinho and United are back where they belong, winning trophies at European level. And as importantly, back in the Champions League next season. Right, let's start with a, a common question in the last couple of weeks. This season, is it is it a success? I don't think it's quite a success, but I think eventually we got the outcome that maybe we wanted, but I don't think you could still quite call it a success. I think it was a bad season that we made the best of, I think is the way I would I would put it. Two major trophies. Well, the the, the two most minor of the major trophies. So it's hard to not call it a success. I mean, if we if we go back to our preseason aims, what did we want from this season? I would have said top four was minimum. Targeting a title chase was was where we where we expected to be. I mean, United and City were the two favourites by quite by quite a distance. Yeah. And then we sort of wanted. We said, well, I mean, look, we're probably not going to win the league. We'll go for it. Let's let's try get a couple of cups and Champions League qualification. We've we have done that. It's just the way we've gone about it is slightly slightly odd and we, we we also wanted more entertaining football which we've got to an extent so we've got everything except the title challenge and the title chase so it's hard not to call it a success I, I would say it is a success but it's not the it's not really what we wanted yeah I I, I think we got the outcome that we all wanted eventually in terms of getting into the Champions League which was really the most important thing but I think from where we were at, what we were thinking at the start of the season was Hope you know put in a title challenge. I don't think anyone anyone really believed we'd, we'd actually get there, but at least expected that we could that we'd be putting up a fight for for the title a lot more. So I I think it's still been a disappointment in in that not just not making the top four, but I mean we finished in sixth, and I can't say I, I was ever very confident that we were going to make the top four after kind of like the end of September really. And you know winning the league cup is great, but I don't think I would consider it. A huge success, but I think we made the best of the way that we did play. And at the end of the day, getting into the Champions League was the most important thing. And we've managed to do that. So. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at next season, I mean, say Mourinho comes in and you're thinking, what do you want in his second season? You want to be challenging for the title. You want to be in the Champions League. You want much better football and you want much better players. And at the moment, it's looking like we, we will get that. I mean, when he first came in, when we're looking to the second season, we've probably got what we wanted. So yeah, it's it's a mild success. Is probably it's probably the way to put it. Um, and as you say, it sort of changed significantly throughout the season. We started with great form, um, winning the Community Shield, Zatan scoring his debut against Bournemouth, Pop having a having a fantastic game on his debut against Southampton. I mean, that was a that was a really brilliant day. Pogba comes in, plays at Old Trafford, and abs- I mean, he didn't. He didn't really boss the game, but it was seeing that that pure skill again that we really haven't seen at United since since Fergie left. To be honest, that incredible world class quality that we ju- we just got that on show against Southampton. <laughs> that was yeah, that was one of my favourite days of the season. It um, beat us, and then we beat Hull with that with that late winner from from Marcus Rashford. I mean, at, at that time it was all looking good. Get beaten by City, and suddenly we have we have two months of dreary football where we're getting beaten by by Watford and and Fenerbahce and Feyenoord, and then. 
you bring Michael Carrick into the team with with Ander Herrera and Paul Pogba, and suddenly things start to turn around. Yeah, it was it was a strange period that um, from kind of August to I guess mid mid November really, where we started the season very well. I'm, I'm going into that derby. Us and City both had 100 percent records in the league, and at that point, it looked like all the preseason predictions of a Manchester battle for the title between us and City were. They looked like it was all going to come true. Everyone else seemed to be struggling. All the other top teams seemed to be struggling. And both Manchester clubs were proving that with these new managers and the new additions they made to their squad, they looked like the teams to beat. And then it was it was strange. After that City defeat, we just kind of fell off the rails. And it was strange. It wasn't like we got battered by City. We got, I mean, we got completely outplayed in the in the first half. They played us off the park. But in the second half, we, we hung in there. We got the goal just before half-time uh, through Zlatan. But then after that game... We just fell off the cliff, really, which was strange. And then, like you said, it wasn't until you went to that midfield three of Carrick, Herrera and Pogba that we really started to fire again and obviously went on that long unbeaten run from November to, to April. Well, we, we even went on a, I think we went on a six game winning run at one point and we were starting to look in. Yeah. I mean, people were talking about us winning the title. Once we sort of got out of that that terrible period, I forgot. I mean, I mean, I mentioned um, Watford and Feyenoord and Fenerbahce and City, but we got trounced four 0 at Stamford Bridge as well. Yeah. And then after that, we started being the ones that were battering teams, but we weren't getting the results in that twenty-five game unbeaten run. I mean, if in October it looked like we wouldn't be anywhere near top four come the end of the season, we 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 didn't move anywhere with that twenty-five game unbeaten run. Um, like literally, because we stayed in sixth, but yeah. we moved. I think we, I think we gained thirteen points on the top four or something. So yeah, it, it really changed throughout the course of the season, which is slightly weird. And then that twenty-five game unbeaten run was was a bit dull, but impressive nonetheless. Let's talk about let's talk about the defense because that's an area where we've definitely improved. I mean, attack. Yeah, we in terms of actual results, we haven't improved greatly in attack compared to Louis Van Gaal in terms of style of play a bit but mainly because of, of Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, and Paul Pogba's individual quality, if you like. But the defence, though, I think we conceded 29 goals this season. I think that's in the league uh, alone. And yes, too many draws, but the defence has, has vastly improved. Imagine what Mourinho can do when, when his defenders aren't Chris Morning and Phil Jones. Yeah, defence de- definitely improved a lot throughout the season. I, I, I mean, part of that, I guess you could say, it sometimes was due to the fact that we played slightly more defensively. But we also played a lot of the season without a true defensive midfielder. I wouldn't class Ander Herrera as a defensive midfielder, really. He plays in that role quite a lot, but he's not hes not a typical, you know, sort of... Not someone in, like, the, the Roy Keane sort of mould, a real destroyer in there in midfield. So it really wasn't the defence quite a lot. I mean, it proved a lot throughout the season as well. Um, and we saw the re-emergence of Marcus Rojo, Eric Bailly coming in, fantastic signing played brilliantly all season and then obviously Antonio Valencia had a brilliant season as well and then towards the end of the season we even saw Matteo Darmian really nailed down that left back spot as well so with a couple of more signings in defence there possibly Luke Shaw coming back in we don't really know what's going to happen there but the defence is definitely looking up and it improved a lot throughout the season from where we were at the start of the season to the end the defence was completely different and I mean, our first choice, our first choice back four is probably maybe one or two of them that the same at the start of the season to the end of the season. That shows you how much it changed throughout the the course of the year. It's difficult to say exactly how he's improved the defense because attack is quite an an obvious improvement. Despite the, I mean, the attack hasn't improved as much as the defense statistically or 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 even on show, 
but it's easier to see how Mourinho has changed the attack. In terms of defence, it's sort of there's there's more organisation in there, sure, but it's it's a bit harder to see what he's changed. I think the the pairings is very important because in a lot of the games where we conceded sort of late winners, we'd we'd pair Eric Bailly with someone who doesn't really suit Eric Bailly well, which is a player who who isn't going to lead by around because I mean you got to remember at the start of the season he was still 22 now he's 23 he still needs sort of a a daily blind like player next to him but perhaps of higher quality than daily blind and often he was playing alongside Kamikaze Smalling or reckless Phil Jones as I mentioned earlier that when Mourinho came in we were looking at his second season second season is typically where Mourinho does well I think he's won the the league title in all of his second season might be wrong at one one club but I think almost every club he's won it in his second season having not won it in his first so if we're looking at that second season again then we're one step towards completing the Mourinho team in that we've he's fixed the defense and the attack is still there to be fixed but going unbeaten for 25 games means you have to have a good defense Let's just take a look at the impact of the Europa League. We've done our we've done our Europa League special, spoken about the final. So I hope you listen to that. But I mean, four of our five losses in the season came straight after Europa League games, and that that sort of seems a lot. So four fifths of all of our of all of our defeats came after the Europa League. So Europa League definitely had an impact. But is that is that really an excuse? I know, it's strange. I've always wondered this about the Europa League because we aren't the first club to to have this kind of phenomenon where we lose so many games coming off the back of a Europa League game. But it's strange, really, because playing Thursday to Sunday com- uh, coming out of the Europa League is no different to playing, uh, to playing Wednesday to Saturday if you're coming off the back of a Champions League game. And, and vice versa, playing in the Champions League on, say, a Tuesday after a Saturday fixture is, is no different as well. So, I mean, I don't really know why. So I guess the travelling in some parts, you know, obviously... In the Europa League, there's more teams from further afield, like Ukraine and Russia, uh, something even further further afield than that. But we didn't we didn't really play that that many teams that were that far away. All right, we had Fenerbahce in the group stage, which, which is pretty far. But then our other, you know, we had Feyenoord in the group as well, who very short trip over to Holland. So it's kind of strange how how that uh, has such an effect on the team. I wonder. I mean, it'd be interesting to look at the lineups in those games that we that we lost after the Europa League games because you wonder if maybe there was more rotation in those games. We weren't playing such a strong 11. But it, it's strange because teams deal with, with having two games in four days, which is what, what it is from a Europa League game on a Thursday to a league game on a Sunday on a pretty regular basis. And so it's just strange that the Europa League seems to have such a big effect. Also, if you, if you really think about it, I say four of our five losses in the Premier League come straight after Europa League games. Five losses in a in a season isn't it isn't bad. That's better than most seasons under under Sir Alex Ferguson. And the only two clubs who lost less or or lost the same amount were Chelsea and Tottenham. Everyone else in the Premier League lost lost more than five games. So I mean that kind of shows that the that the draws were the issue, which is a, a fairly obvious statement to make. But then we drew fifteen times in the league, and five of these. These draws came away from home, so ten of them are at Old Trafford, which is which is ridiculous when you think about. It. And only two of the draws came after Europa League games in home matches. So there's still eight games in the league that we drew, not after Europa League, that we we definitely didn't need to to draw. And that's sixteen points thrown away in a season simply because we, I mean, almost all of those draws was because of our poor finishing. So sixteen points thrown away 
because we couldn't finish. Yeah, I mean, not much, not much need to revisit all of this. We've said this so many times throughout the season. It's becoming like a broken record now, but just so many, so many draws at Old Trafford that were just completely needless, especially against smaller clubs where we completely dominated the game and then went on to just be totally unable to um, to finish off our chances. It was just ridiculous at, at times, honestly, how bad we were putting away our chances. I don't know. I don't know if any other if any listeners really pay attention to expected goals but I think we've both mentioned it a couple of times um it's it's this sort it's this stat that looks at um how good how many chances are being created and how how good chances they are so if you're getting a tap in from six yards that's gonna be a better chance than a long shot from an angle at 35 yards so it looks at how likely how likely it is that a player should be scoring that so this is the I think this is kind of the stat that defines our season. So even after 29 games we should have scored 57 goals and we'd only scored 42. So after 25 games we missed 15 goals going by this stat. And Man City also had this problem. So it's not just us, but in terms of expected goals to actual goals, we scored 15 less. Chelsea scored 9 more, Spurs scored 9 more, Arsenal scored 3 more which shows how different. So Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal all had great finishing. United City had terrible finishing. And then you look at the you look at the Premier League table, um, with the exception of Arsenal, and that kind of translates into into where we finish in the league. Yeah, it does. It could, I mean, there's not really much more you can add to that. It just sums it up, was what we've been saying all season. There's, there's the stats to back it up. I mean, and it's not just like it was, it was one or two culprits either. It was pretty much everyone on the team. No matter who who got the chances, no one seemed to be able to finish them off. It was getting a bit ridiculous at, at times, honestly. Uh, but just quickly going back to the, the um, defeats after the Europa League games, I've got it up now, and none of our defeats after Europa League games came after um, faraway travels. So here, here are the people that we played before, directly before a defeat in the in the Premier League throughout the seasons. We played Feyenoord away which is what a flight of an hour and a half to, to Holland. Then the following weekend, we lost 3-1 against Watford. Then the weekend before we played Chelsea, where we got battered 4-0, we played at home to Fenerbahce and we won 4-1. Yeah. So again, can't really blame the travelling there either. Then the next one goes all the way to May and the away trip to Celta Vigo, where we then went and lost 2-0 against Arsenal. And then following, and that's only a, a trip to Spain. It's not far, two, two and a half hour flight again. And then the next one, the, the reverse fixture against Celta Vigo, where we then lost 2-1 against Tottenham the following weekend. And OK, by this point in the season, the Europa League wasn't having that much of an effect because we were playing our reserve, our reserve peak players, basically, in the, in the Premier League. And we kind of given up on the league by this point. And, and so it's strange. It's, it's strange just how the Europa League seems to have some kind of an effect, but it's, it's hard to really put a, put a reason behind it. It just seems random. And it just seems like, we we turned up and played played poorly in those in some of those games for no reason at all really. Probably our worst performance of the season was Chelsea away when we got beat four 0 and we played at home the weekend before against against Fenerbahce and we won four 0 so it should have been riding high. Yeah, but I guess if if you just look at those games, we play Fenerbahce at home, we win four 0 brilliant on a that's on a Thursday. We play on the Sunday against Chelsea, we concede after a minute, and then I think there's another result where exactly the same thing happens, where we play on the Thursday, uh, we win. Or well, it doesn't even matter if we win. We play on Thursday in the Europa League. We come back, we play on the Sunday, we concede in the first 10 minutes. I don't know. I mean, it could just be a coincidence. Probably is. But 
also there's that that lack of focus at the start of the game, that sort of tiring out. And and the, I mean, I was going to talk about Zlatan Ibrahimovic next. I I think that relates to him because. If you remember, there was a period before the Chelsea 2-0 victory where Marcus Rashford came into the team and did so well, um, where Ibrahimovic was playing really poorly. And in fact, when he when he got injured, yeah, I said during the... Who were we playing? The Anderlecht game um, in the Europa League. Ibrahimovic gets a knee ligament damage. And minutes before, I said, this is the worst performance we've seen from Zlatan at United. And I think he was starting to get really really worn out really yeah. fatigued from the Europa League so it's not just the fact that it's the the team as a whole but it's simply the the mass of games because I think I, I think there's been a few failures for Mourinho this season I think not changing the team not rotating which he eventually did come the end of the season it, it was dropped everything everything in the Europa League dropped everyone for the Premier League and it ended up working but in the first half of the season where it started to really go wrong, I think people are starting to get fatigued. And I don't think he rotated enough, particularly Ibrahimovic, who is a, is a line, as he says. But he, even after playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, every single week, or Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, because we had the League Cup as well, yep. I think he played far too much. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Ibrahimovic and Pogba especially were playing pretty much every single 90 minutes that, we, that, that United played. And it ended up with Pogba getting... Obviously, the hamstring injury a couple of months ago. And then, I mean, Ibrahimovic's injury wasn't anything to do with fatigue. But you could tell from his performances, like you said, that his, his performance levels were certainly starting to drop off. So in that sense, it does have, it does have an effect. Yeah, I guess, I guess we saw two different impacts. We saw poor performances with Ibrahimovic, but no, no sort of injury, no fatigue injury. It was more of an impact injury. And then with Pogba, we saw still brilliant performances. But then he got, I think he got two, two muscle injuries straight away so he came back from one and three games later he had another one and that came what was it I think it was against Burnley where we had uh, Timbo Fossu Mensah on the bench we were winning 2-0 comfortably at 60 minutes and then Pogba because he's not brought off goes off injured at, at 75 minutes um, and hindsight is a, is of course a wonderful thing but even at the time we were saying come on I mean you've got to give A you've got to give Fossu Mensah a chance and, and secondly Pogba needed a break and, and ended up getting injured just, I mean, just talking about Ibrahimovic, we we moved on a bit from from not scoring enough, but he he scored twenty eight goals, and despite that, weirdly he was also probably our worst finisher, and he was the worst finisher out of most of the elite strikers in the league, much worse than Aguero, Kane. In this isn't in terms of just number of goals scored. This is that that thing expected goals again, where. He scored. He had so many brilliant chances. I'm sure everyone can remember them as well. That that nil nil draw against Burnley, where Tom Eaton, yes, put in a great performance, but at the same time, I remember Ibrahimovic missing an absolute sitter from, albeit a, a slightly tight angle, but from four yards out, and then he sort of grinned at the camera after that. I, everyone will remember that, and there's many others that people remember. And I talk about that Anderlecht game, missed a fantastic chance in that game, which would have stopped it going to extra time and stops Marcus Rashford popping up with a winner. And there were so many like that, and I think, I think this is for my first failure for Mourinho. And I, I mean, we haven't really spoken about his successes. We've spoken about improving the defense, improving the attack a bit. We haven't really sort of detailed his successes, but I think everyone knows what he's done because we've won two trophies. The style of play's got better. We're in the Champions League next season. We don't really, we don't need to talk about that as much. But I think if you look at Man City, they had a similarly poor chance conversion rate. 
And then you look at United and they didn't really change anything. So Guardiola realised that and he stops. He drops Aguero. Gabriel Jesus is injured. And he knows he's got players like uh, Raheem Sterling, Leroy Sané, players who, like Martial and Rashford, don't actually finish every chance they get despite brilliant players. And this is what... Um, I read a really good article from at Mr. Scripto on Twitter on United Report about this and how after this Guardiola sort of changed his team to allow a more a more fluid attack where everyone sort of got involved with the shots because he knew there wasn't one one player sort of finishing there wasn't that that Ibrahimovic player so I think Marino should have made a more attacking team because we knew we couldn't convert chances particularly well and we were converting a lot we were making a lot of chances but if you can't convert chances then you need to make more so that you make so many that you always score in a game. And I think that's what Guardiola did at City. And yes, he failed to an extent. Um, they haven't won anything. They only just scraped top four, sure. But he sort of sacrificed defence to put more in attack. And then that means they scored more. And I think Mourinho should have not done that to the same extent because the defence did very well and, and fair play to him for that. But I think we should have realised that we weren't converting all our chances and then pushed to create more chances so that at least we scored a goal a game. Yeah, 100%. And another thing that, that puzzled me throughout the season was our reaction a lot of time to going in front because our, our chance conversion rate hasn't, obviously, has been pretty terrible all season. But the times when we did go ahead, we seemed to just sit back all the time and allow the opposition then to to really dominate the game. And then that was where so many of the home draws came from because so many so many of those draws at home ended up 1-1 because we'd go in front and then we'd just sit back and we wouldn't, and we wouldn't try and kill the game off with a second or a third goal. Um, and, and the issue becomes then, no matter how good your defence is, if you, let, if you let the other team have, have the majority of the possession and control the game, eventually they're going to create some good chances no matter how good you are defensively. And that ended up costing us quite a lot. And a lot of the time, even if Mourinho didn't want to play you know, some expansive football where we go out and we play with four attackers on the pitch and we really try and go out and win the game 5 or 6 nil. That doesn't have to be like that, but just trying to actually control the game and make sure that we're the ones dictating the tempo, dictating the play. Um, and I think that's what, as well as the poor finishing, contributed to a lot of those home draws because we just failed to, to take control of the game a lot, a lot of the time and it ended up costing us a lot of points, especially at home. Yeah, I mean, you think back, there, there's so many games where we we gifted the opposition a late goal. And even if we didn't gift them a late goal, we relied on David De Gea or Sergio Romero, including it in the Europa League, um, or a mistake from the other team because we gave them a great chance and they, they didn't take it. There were so many games where we could have dropped even more points. I suppose just in general, there's, there's probably only two teams that have the, the right balance between defence and attack, and that's Chelsea and Spurs, and they were the two top teams. If you think about City, they're much more attacking than they are defence and they're, they're terrible in defence and they've they've conceded so many goals and given away so many points because of that. Arsenal are sort of poor in defence and sometimes poor in attack as well, relying on Alexis. And United, our, our defence is good. We've, we've only conceded 29 goals and now this transfer window is to, to add that individual quality, which I think throughout, his Mourinho, throughout Mourinho's career he sort of relied on on individual quality. As I say, he didn't really, while Guardiola focused more on attack because he knew that his, his players couldn't finish as well, Mourinho still focused on defence. I think relying on, on the individual quality of Pogba, uh, Ibrahimovic, Mkhitaryan matter. And I think that's what he's done throughout his career, relied on, on individual attackers to score. 
and he's done the defensive work and he's let them do the attacking work. And I think that's why he got annoyed at Hazard at Chelsea when he wasn't performing as well and then he threw him under the bus a bit. So I think this transfer window is is a time for Mourinho to buy that individual quality, whether it's Antoine Griezmann, uh, Ivan Perisic, uh, Belotti of Torino, or or someone else. We're, we're yet to see Lukaku. Um, I think that's what he's going to do this summer. Yeah, me too, because the way the way that he likes to play, as you said, the way that he likes to play... I mean, at least, at least this, is, this is the way that I, that I look at Mourinho. In his system, a lot of the time, the team focuses on not losing the game. And then a couple of individual players are relied upon to win the game. And that's, that might seem like a, a, strange, a strange thing to say. But what I mean by that is that really his, his main focus for the team is that the, the team as a whole focuses mainly on not conceding. And again, most of the people in the, in the team, that's why he, he plays quite defensively at the time, especially in the bigger games. And then, as you said, he relies on, a, on a few, one or two brilliant players to really take the game by the scruff of the neck and perform a moment of individual brilliance that will win, win you the game, especially in, in the bigger games where he does like to sit back and try and go one nil up and then sit back and just protect that lead. And so we, and at the moment, we don't really have, I mean, we have Paul Pogba, but because of Pogba's position, he isn't really able to to win a game on his own because as a, as a central midfielder that's not really possible you know you need to be a winger or a forward really to be able to do that so we do need a player who can take the game by the scruff and they can do it all himself and I mean we hope that one day Marcus Rashford might turn out to be that player but I don't think that he's quite ready to take that burden on now so it'd be interesting to see who he looks to bring in in an attacking sense over this, this transfer window yeah and I think we'll, we'll talk about, about Paul Popper firstly in just a moment and then we're going to talk about him later in the episode as well when we talk player of the season and evaluate our summer signings. We have relied heavily on, on Pogba for, in terms of attacking um, and I think Mourinho wants another player like Pogba with that individual quality just in a different position which as you say could be, could be Perisic could, or could be Griezmann. We've spoken a bit about we've, what we've learned from this season but if we're going into next season, what do we want to see change? I've I, I've got three things down. Um, build everything about around Paul Pogba. Um, have more faith in youth, particularly in the League Cup, and have a much wider system. Yep, I I, I could go along with that for for sure. Um, especially more width in the system. I think Mkhitaryan and Mata out wide. As much as I think they're both great players, I think they create a very narrow setup and because Mourinho only likes to have one fullback going forward at a time it means that a lot of the time we end up only having one actual wide player when we play Mata and Mkhitaryan uh, out wide and that's not the way traditionally that, that Man United play. I think definitely needs need more faith in youth. I think to, to Mourinho's credit I think he did get better with that towards the end of the season although a lot of that was injury induced and perhaps something that he didn't have much of a choice with. It was more out of necessity rather than desire to actually bring through some of those younger players. I think for me, something else that I would want to see is I do want to see us play a bit more attacking football. Um, I mean, we spoke about this after the Europa League final and that I think for this year, we can maybe forgive not having the best start of play because it is Mourinho's first year and this is year one of what we think, hope will be a multi-year project, but I think next year at some point, Mourinho will be his second summer transfer window, um, his second start of his second season, and I think now is a time where he needs to stamp his authority on this team, and I think this is when I want to see us start having 
a better style of play. And I also want to see us, our team really revolve around Paul Pogba because I think too often this season we didn't didn't really use Pogba um, in the way that he can be used, and I don't think we. I don't think we quite utilise some of the skills that he has. I think he needs to have more licence to go forward because we've seen him when he gets motoring with the ball, he's almost impossible to stop. But he was actually in the position like, like that uh, very few times. So I want to see us try and utilise Pogba a little bit more. But, uh, I mean, Pogba's been fantastic. Just uh, just on the width point, you're right about the, the, the full-backs issue where Mourinho only allows one full-back forward. I think that, I mean, that really reduces the... If, if you're playing with two narrow wingers then you kind of want your fullbacks sort of bombing down. I think that's what he did at Real Madrid when he had um, Marcelo. And I think it was, was it Arbeloa? And they they provide the width, but you don't really get that at United because he's sort of, he's preventing Shaw from going forward if Valencia is and preventing Valencia if, if Shaw or Damian is. And also just, I mean, firstly, that's how United play with, with width. But even just from a, if you're looking at it logically, then you, you need width because every team that's come to Old Trafford has just sat back and been very defensive. And generally, every team we've gone away to has sat back and been defensive because they know that we're not going to do anything. And the only way you really break them down is by is by stretching their defence. And everyone's found it really easy because we haven't. We've just played really narrow. We've crowded the area. And if you crowd someone like Martial, then sometimes he gets out of it. But you really want to give him space. And probably a better example is Mkhitaryan. You really want to give him space. Same with Pogba, same with Mata. And we're not giving them space because we're making the pitch so much narrower. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned he's done better with youth. Yeah, but I think Trandelab's debut should have come in the in the Europa League, even if it was as a sub um, in the Europa League group stage. And we haven't got. It was really a chance to give the young players an, an opportunity in the Europa League. So we haven't got that. Yeah. I mean, last season we had the Europa League, the League Cup, and the FA Cup all chances to give to give youngsters a chance. And this season we won't have that sort of luxury because many more games will be more important because we're in the Champions League instead of the Europa League. Before we before we play a little interview with a United journalist, expectations for next season. Uh, let's not talk transfers yet because we'll do that in a throughout the summer. And everything's going to change by the time this comes out, probably on on all the players. But who, in fact, who should be sold? Let's not talk about coming in, but who should be who sold? Who should be sold? For me, I think at least one of Smalling and Jones. And I think if if either of them, are, if it's only me, one of them that leaves, I would prefer to see Smalling move on. I think I I, I personally would like to see Rooney go as well because I think the longer he stays at United, the more fans get on his back and the more people forget and don't appreciate what he's done for this club throughout the years. And I, I don't like to see Rooney playing at such a poor level for United now. Um so I, I would like to see Rooney move on. Are we are we are we are we thinking Phil Jones and Chris Morlin both gone? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see them both gone. I wouldn't be too unhappy to see them go. I mean if we're gonna keep one, I, I would keep Phil Jones. Yeah, me too. And I mean ideally you'd you'd see Marouane Fellini leave the club but if we're if we're being pragmatic here then he's actually a very useful option and yeah. he's a player that Mourinho trusts wholeheartedly um, and it's it's always good to have someone like that in the dressing room and everyone oh, apparently all the players all the players love Fellini and he's a, a professional and I'd also get rid of Ashley Young Damian but I feel like they'll probably both stay at the club for one more season even though they're not good enough I can't see us doing doing a city and having a, a full clear out and getting seven or eight players in 
Um, and I, I don't really want that. I think it should be a much more gradual yeah. process, which is what we've always done. Um, and it's something that uh, I think Michael Carrick has spoken about recently where he said, I mean, look, under Fergie, there'd always be a level, a team below, a team waiting to come through. Uh, Raphael replacing Gary Neville. Um, Wes Brown back in 99 waiting to, to replace Neville. Um, O'Shea, Fletcher. There'd always be those players waiting to come through. You you don't really want to have to buy a whole new team at once. Um, and in terms of just expectations for next season, what go through the competitions? What what are we wanting apart from to win all of them, which is obviously the ideal. Well, I think I mean oh yeah, apart from wanting to win all of them, obviously. Um, I think League Cup and FA Cup, I'll, I'll do them kind of together. I'd like to see us have a have a good run in at least one of them. Um, I'd be disappointed if we don't make at least the semi-finals of, of either one. Um, I obviously would love to get our hands on a, one of those two cups again, the FA Cup preferably, if we could choose one. But I think I think having a good cup run like that is good, not only to allow us to play youth, but it also just brings some excitement, something different to the Premier League. Champions League, we spoke a little bit about this um, in our last episode after the Europa League final. I think realistic expectation, I would like us to get out of the group stages. And I think if we make the quarterfinals, that would be great. Obviously, being a, being a number two in the second pot for the draw make, will mean we have another heavyweight in our, in our group. So then if we end up finishing second in our group, potentially it means that our last 16 opponent might be harder than we want. But you never know what might happen. I think if we can make the quarterfinals, that would, that would be great. And, but I think obviously primary target is, is getting out the group. I mean, really, you just, you just want as many big games as possible, to be honest. So if they don't come yeah. in the group, then we should be expecting to go through the group, if that makes sense. And if they come in the group, yeah. then maybe we, we won't go through the group. You just want those, you just want those big nights. I mean, yeah, really, you should, I mean, you should be... I don't think anyone is expecting us to, to win, to win the, the tournament. I think that's a completely out of the question. So, you know, what, the reason you want to be back in the Champions League is one, to attract players and two, to have, like I said, the, the big nights. So you do want to face some, some top teams. And hopefully because of our of our pot that we're in, we will. I would personally spoke of this a little bit as well, but personally I'd like to see either Real Madrid or Juventus come to Old Trafford. Yeah, um, as many big nights as possible and then a, a title challenge in the Premier League. Right, stop there. That's end of part one of the Manchester United weekly podcast season review. We're cutting it in two because A, it's long, and B, it means we can get it out to your phone or laptop much quicker. Hope you enjoyed part one. Part two will be out on Friday afternoon. Check back then as we speak to Manchester United multimedia journalist Ryan Grant about what it means for the media team when a new signing comes in, what his goal of the season is, and how it is being around the squad throughout the season. We also talk our player of the season, evaluate our summer signings, particularly Paul Pogba, our goal of the season, and run through our moments of the season. We'll be back in a day's time. Goodbye. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.